Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation. Oh, it's always a pleasure to be with you, John. You know that. Yay, Tom! I love it in Flint! You're very astute, Tom. Easy question. I'll debate Andy Dillon on your show. Well, uh, that's a very good question. Uh, Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, lucky day, Mr. Sam. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program. Good morning, Tom. How are you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right. The Tom Sumner Program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. A social distancing tip. While the CDC urges you to avoid close contact, like hugging or shaking hands, there are other non-physical ways to say hello. Wave, wink, use sign language, salute, smile, give the peace sign, throw up an air high five, do jazz hands. Remember, stay a minimum of six feet or two arms length away from others and stay home if you can. For more info, visit coronavirus.gov. Let's all do our part because we're all hashtag alone together. Brought to you by the Ad Council. Javante, Jacob, Katia, Andrew, Tia, Violet, Dustin, Shahizi, and the Tom Sumner Program. And welcome back, everybody, as we roll into the third half of our three-hour tour known as the Tom Sumner Program. We're going to talk this hour about making conversation. I know that sounds a little redundant, but the truth is we're going to talk with the author of a new book called Making Conversation. His name is Fred Dust. He joins me now by phone. Fred, welcome to the show. Hey, Tom, and hey, Flint. Uh, All thoughts are with you. I hope it was well. Well, thank you for that. And and th- things are going better, but uh you know, it it didn't help having a pandemic show up right after we <laughs> went through yep, what we've no. been going through. It reminds I, me of a, I, a story a guy was talking about uh how he was making out in the uh uh during the depression and the guy said, "Well, it'd be okay if it hadn't come along in t- in hard times." <laughs> 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 yeah, that's pretty much the case. Well, we're all with you, I promise. We're, 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 we're rooting for you, friends. So. Well, I appreciate that. And um, now, let's see, you were a, a designer and senior partner at IDEO. What is IDEO? Oh, that's the hardest question ever. My my, my mom, I can never explain <laughs> to my mom. <laughs> but but the, but but the way the, and and that's you know if you can't explain it to your mom, it doesn't really matter. But so um you know I'll I'll make it really easy, I guess, in the sense that you know I think that um, Idea is a design co- company, and the way I think about it is that everything we make is is designed. I mean, we make we make everything, everything from the products we have to the conversations we have. And so um, IDEA was really known for kind of just making everything and thinking really, really carefully about how it got made and making sure that people liked it and, and wanted to use the things that got made. So it basically a couple of engineers walk into a bar. <laughs> well, <some> engineers <laughs> and architects, strategists, 
some anthropologists. Yeah, <laughs> but but yes, it's like imagine a pretty pretty like the Star Wars bar kind of concept. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. Um, let's um, talk a little bit about the book making conversation. Um, how does how do you go from making stuff to making conversation, Fred? Well, you know, honestly, Tom, it's a, it's a bit easier of a leap than it might <laughs> might seem. I mean, uh, just to give you a little bit of context, um, the last part of my career at IDEO, I was really working with um, the federal government, foreign governments. Uh, I was working with the Obama administration quite a bit. Um, but one of the most most significant projects I was doing was um, a project with Vivek Murthy, who was the then Surgeon General and is now the new Surgeon General. Um, and he... Uh, he was working on uh, what he was calling an epidemic of isolation and loneliness in America. And the reason, and I, I think you'll, you'll relate to this, I, I live in a very urban, urban uh, sorry, rural community called Bovina, Bovina, New York. That's so um, cows is, is what, what that reference is. Um, and <laughs> land of cows. <laughs> land of, land of, I think there's a, there's a Bovina in like Texas and a Bovina in like Spain, but it's like there aren't, there aren't that many of them. But, but, um, and, you know, we in our in our community had to grapple with really serious issues like opioid addiction, um, lots of suicide because um, of people from who are in isolation and lonely. And um, and he he was he perceived that as a problem that was kind of nationwide that we really were kind of isolated and lonely, and that was leading to violent crimes, that was leading to um, addiction, and so. While he was doing that, I was working alongside him trying to build new town hall conversations, new ways for communities to come together, not just kind of tell him what was going on, but have catharsis, you know, like everybody kind of gets to some kind of like place where they felt like they, they'd, they'd achieved something and also make sure that communities really happen and, and get jump started. So um, he turns out wrote a proposal for a book there that he wrote last that came out last spring and i did too and his was on i saw it was called together it was about loneliness and mine is called making conversation it's about how to like cure loneliness um in essence and and that's that's kind of the work i've been doing for for the last three years uh have we lost the art of conversation or the practice of conversation I love that you asked that because it's like, you know, I, I have to say it might be the latter, not, not, not the former. So thank you for making that differentiation. So uh, first, l let me, let me correct a misperception, um, which is that we've always been, not, not on your part, just in general, which is like, we've always been in conversation. Well, well before we were even verbal, we were in conversation. Conversation is what let us um, become apex predators. That's what became, let us became become great farmers, you know, even, even conversations with animals. So we, we've always done it. I would say that we definitely have lost the practice of it, I think. And, and as you know, from the book, like, I, I don't, I don't believe that's because of our, our phones. <laughs> it's actually, um, it's actually, I think because of television. Um, I think that um, the ones we put television into the middle of our dinner times or God forbid into our kitchens or into our bedrooms, we started to kind of erode the moments where really good conversations could happen. And by the way, that wasn't the TV's fault. It was the fact that we started to kind of get addicted to the news cycle and the crisis 
kind of mentality, and that's what made us kind of lose our way. Um, if, if that makes sense. So, well, but, that's that's people make. That's what's hooking us now, because we have these 24-hour news networks and and uh, cable networks that specialize in in every possible human interest, and it's um. But I I was a TV addict when it was Leave It to Beaver and the Lone Ranger and uh, <laughs> Laughing. Exactly, like it's like I mean that that I mean yeah I mean, the thing is that. It's like, I, I think it's really the fact that the news cycle has gotten us kind of. And so I, I want to I just also kind of say that, you know, the people who will tell you that we've lost the ability to have conversation is it's going to be your news sources because there's value for them in doing that. And it's going to be your um, it's going to be your um, your politicians <laughs> because there's value in it for them. And and so I think it's to remind ourselves that, no, we can still do it. Um, and I, I'll, your show is a great example, which is that, you know, radio is such an amazing community builder, right? It's the Thank center you. of so many communities, right? Don't you think? And I, so, I do. I, in fact, um, I've, I've had people suggest, you know, you should do a TV show. No, I shouldn't. Because <laughs> it's, it's, it's not that I don't love television. I, I really do love television, but not for what I'm doing. And I think people listen longer to conversation when it's on the radio than they would watching a television. I, I, I agree. And then I think even things like, you think about call-in shows and the kind of support and advice and kind of and, and comfort that can give off at the local level. And, and, and so there are, there are really like remarkable things that, that um, and, and I think you even have a call-in component, or at least I know, I know you have a phone number that you, could, that you can call. Um, and, I, and I think those things are really remarkable. They're ways to kind of like help people through things together as a community. So, so I mean, you go. I mean, we, we need we need more of the yours kind of shows, frankly. So, well, and and I'm glad you say that because you know, obviously, I think so. And and I think we, what we need is a lot more civilized conversation. You know, I try to make a point to um, invite people from a lot of differing points of view on the show, and I don't argue with them. I just you know give them a microphone and encourage them to talk a little bit and let listeners figure out what they think is the That's right. the well, right uh, thing to believe. And, and I mean, and even like music, right? Because it's like like music is a form of conversation as well. You know, it's like it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's just a different way. I mean, like I, I think you know the, the premise of my book is that um, it's what I really tend to focus on is. The really hard conversations, the one that's the ones that scare us the most, the ones that make us feel like we're unsafe or um, it's unfair, um, and those are the ones where I feel like we need to get really good at making plans for how to have those conversations. And you know, the gossip and the chatter and the late night laughter and stuff like that—that's that's the stuff of life. You don't need to you don't don't overthink that. Like it's like really 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 focus on things that are that are, that feel hard to you right now. Well, and one of the hardest things, and and this has been really frustrating um, for me personally, to live at a time when we have elected a black president and can still have an episode like what happened to George Floyd. Yeah, I know. And we keep talking about this national conversation about systemic racism, and yet that conversation doesn't seem to be going anywhere. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting one because if you remember back in like, I think it was 
2016 or maybe it was in 2014, there, there, there was a period where I thought, I sort of thought we were going to fix this problem, you know, and I, and I was, I was doing a series of conversations with the ACLU, uh, uh, in specifically focused in New York that was focused on police and communities and, and how to kind of get them to be in better conversation with each other and, and better engaged. And we, we felt really a sense, a sense of hope. And there was such transparency. We knew, we knew that a black man was dying every day. And then, um, and we just didn't make it. We, just, we didn't make the move we needed to make. And so, you know, that's, what's so funny is, like, I write about that, and that was, like, 20, you know, like, I, I wrote this book, you know, two years ago. I, ironically, it takes two years to write a book. But it's, like, it, it, the book feels like it's, like, situated exactly now because it's the same issues, unfortunately, that we're dealing with. Well, that's that's my point is um, very often – you know, I've seen so many of these public television has done them, some of the cable networks and even, you know, some of the broadcast networks have done these town hall meetings that are supposed to confront the issue of racism. And very often it it turns into an opportunity for venting, but very little back and forth and very little... Um, comes out of it in terms of lasting uh, uh, change or solutions. You know, I, I'm, I'm glad you mentioned that because that, that is another piece of why I wanted to have a conversation. I mean, just a little, a little bit even more nuance, which is that one of the things that really made me say I need to begin to think about writing this book is um, there was the Las Vegas shootings. So if you remember the Las Vegas shootings, like I remember I woke up that morning, I was like, okay, there was a Las Vegas shooting and I was like, I'm going to make breakfast and then I'm going to go to work and I'm going to do all this stuff. And it was kind of in the middle of the day and somebody called me and they were like, oh, so-and-so was killed in the shooting. It was a colleague, not, not someone I knew well, but somebody who I, I knew and, and, and loved. Um, and I suddenly was like, how could I have just let that go by? Um, and what I realized is that we've sort of lost mourning, like mourning, like M-O-U. Right, <laughs> right. Like, sometimes we've lost mourning as well, given, given, given the days. It's like, but we, um, we've lost mourning, and mourning takes time, and it takes reflection, and it takes, like, anger and celebration and sadness. And, and that's a form of conversation, right, about, about the one that we lost um, or the people that we've lost. And I, that's when I was like, wait, there's something wrong here when we can no longer process the fact that these terrible things are happening all the time, every day, and we're not mourning. And so for your listeners, I would say one of the most important conversations to be having during the holidays or even into 2021 are the conversations around mourning. And those don't have to be sad. You know, they can, they can be celebratory. They can be, you know, excited. They can be, you know, angry. It's like, but, but it, you just have to have them. It's, it's really important to do. So, so the, the experience that American families have at Thanksgiving is therapeutic. I mean, I, 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 <laughs> you know what, it's depending on the family, right? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, um, Fred, I have to take a break here. Can you stick around so we can talk some more? I'd love to. No problem. Okay, we're going to continue our conversation about making conversation with uh, Fred Dust, the uh, author of a book called Making Conversation, uh, when we return. But first, we're going to let our broadcast partners at uh, WFOV 92.1 FM, Our Voices Radio in Flint, squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. 
If you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. And, uh, and then we'll return. So don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse. Lots more conversation about making conversation, don't get confused, is uh, coming up right after this. Hello, darling. This is Elvira, Mistress of the Dark, with Tom Sumner. I'm Julie Lopez with Crime Stoppers. Have you ever wondered what to do if you have information about a crime or the whereabouts of a felony fugitive and you want the police to know but you need to remain anonymous? Well, here's what you can do. You can go to p3tips.com or download the mobile app. You can go to Crime Stoppers of Flint and Genesee County's Facebook page and click on the Leave an Anonymous Tip tab, or you can call 1-800-422-JAIL. All methods are anonymous, and if your help leads to a felony arrest, you may be eligible for a cash reward. Remember, your voice matters. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Let your heart be light. From now on, our troubles will be out of sight. Out of sight. Have yourself a merry little Christmas. Hi, this is Tom from the Tom Sumner Program. If you like talk radio that makes you think without telling you what to think, check out our whole show weekdays from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com. Selected segments are also available on this and other radio stations, but you can hear us anytime. Daily editions of the Tom Sumner Program repeat online all day and night on the show's website. Past shows can be found in the website archives. My long-format interviews with New York Times best-selling authors, photographers and writers from National Geographic, as well as artists, musicians, candidates, and elected officials are made possible by listeners like you. Support the Tom Sumner Program and Civilized Talk Radio. Visit our website at TomSumnerProgram.com and become a member. You can make a one-time gift or become a sustaining patron by taking the link to the Tom Sumner Program Patreon page. Thanks for listening and thanks for your support. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention is working to help keep you and your community safe from the threat of novel or new coronavirus. If you have traveled to a country with a widespread outbreak of COVID-19, CDC recommends you stay home and check your health for 14 days after returning to the United States. Take your temperature with a thermometer two times a day. Watch for symptoms like fever, cough, and trouble breathing. And if you feel sick or have symptoms, call ahead before you go to a doctor's office or emergency room. Tell the doctor about your recent travel and your symptoms and avoid contact with others. For more information, visit cdc.gov. 
Have you lost your job and your health care coverage due to COVID-19? You're not alone, and Genesee Health Plan can help. I called, and they provided health care enrollment over the phone with Medicaid, HealthCare.gov, and Genesee Health Plan. They made sure I had access to doctor visits, my prescriptions, and more. Getting health care coverage can be confusing. You don't have to do it alone. Get help with GHP. Call 844-232-7740 or go to GeneseeHealthPlan.org. We're in this together, and together we'll get through it. And the Tom Sumner Program. What do comic books have to do with Susan B. Anthony, Stormy Daniels, and Congressman John Lewis? Find out New Year's Eve 2020 on the Tom Sumner Program. Author Mark Schulman talks about comic book biographies of Walt Disney and Susan B. Anthony. The creative team from Tidal Wave Productions talk about a new comic book series called Stormy Daniels Space Force. Plus, former congressional aide Andrew Aiden talks about developing a three-part comic book series about the civil rights movement called March with Congressman John Lewis. The Tom Sumner program continues our look back at 2020 with comic books for New Year's Eve, streaming live from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern at TomSumnerProgram.com, repeating online all day and night, simulcast on 92.1 FM in Flint at 9 a.m. and p.m. Happy New Year from the Tom Sumner program. Hey, welcome back, everybody. We continue our conversation about making conversation with the author of Making Conversation, Fred Dust. Fred, welcome back. Thanks for sticking around. No problem. And I'm going to listen to the comic book um, New Year's Eve show. It sounds amazing. Isn't, that, isn't <laughs> that a hoot? It's great. It's a great topic. And it's, a, it's just a great example of just kind of like how, how like the, the simplification of, of the ways we can actually communicate. It's really remarkable. So I, I was like, oh, yeah, that's, that's on my list. <laughs> well, you know, the, the thing about, uh, about Congressman John Lewis, who passed away this past year, um, this was not long before his, his death, and I was talking to one of his congressional aides who was a comic book enthusiast in addition to, be, to being an administrative aide. We were actually talking, scheduled to talk about something else, but we ended up talking about the fact that uh, some of his colleagues were kind of making fun of him uh, being into comic books, and uh, the congressman stood up for him and said, I remember a, a comic book from years ago that was about um, the civil rights movement and, Marth and Martin Luther King. And, and, and he um, ended up collaborating with this aide to develop a three-part comic book series about the civil rights movement that was brought more up to date. And, and it was just so funny because here was this, you know, very serious member of uh, the House of Representatives, and yet he was uh, collaborating on a comic book. I, th I think it's so great. I mean, it's funny in in, in the book. I, I, I talked to a friend of mine who uh, who adopted a comic book about um, a mostly I, I don't want to give it away, but a, but a mostly gay family who runs a funeral home. Um, and it, the comic book was like 
is is like I think it's won numerous major awards and is taught taught consistently in universities, and she made it into a musical, and I remember being in the audience. You know, in and it was a it was really interesting. Just really quickly, I, like I remember going to this pre-screening, like the pre the pre pre um, um, production, and it was an all gay and lesbian audience. So everybody was crying and talking, or whatever. And then the second one was not. It was like it was like people from all over the country, all over the world, in conversation. And I was like sitting next to a very rural couple, and I was just like, oh my god, are they going to hate this? And they like cried and. They loved it, and we had we had an even better conversation um, after it was over. And so, it just kind of one of the big premises of the book is that that like if you can't have hard conversations about things, use art or comics or books or musicals or TV to kind of like provoke you into having the harder conversations that you need to be having. So well, and some of our uh, most beloved comedians have done that through. Uh through just humorous commentary about the way things uh, the way things are yeah no i mean it's and and it's and it, you know it's really funny because it's like uh, that's historically because you know the book has a lot of history in it historically like it goes you know you would go back to the court jester who was always often the one who who uh who basically would would kind of be the person who could who could critique the leader and the and 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 the and the, and, the, and, the, and, and what they were doing that said court jester's their lifespans were quite short. Um, uh, they, they, they didn't last very long. <laughs> when you die at the palace, you die at the palace. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> there's, there's lots of moments where people are able to take, retake power within court politics, but in the end, it's like if your head got cut off, it got cut off. That was it. Right. It's hard to believe with all the, the vitriol and, and hate speech and stuff that we've been experiencing the last several years that there were times that were worse. Um, but, but let's talk about that a little, a little bit, about uh, conversation and, and the great divide that we're experiencing right now. Um, do words matter? Should we be saying talk with each other and not talk to each other? It's a, that's a, you know, that's a, yeah, first of all, words matter significantly um, and until they don't. And we can talk about that. But I, but I, I think um, talk with is a, is a really nice, um, in fact, I wish I'd thought about that because I would have, I would have, <laughs> that, that would be a better way to do it. But yeah, I mean, talk to, um, t- both things about it, talk to, listen to like our, our kind of interesting concepts, right? Cause talk to is like, it's like, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you something. Well, and, it, and it's I'll, almost like, you know, people can infer that it's talk at. Right. Exactly. That's exactly right. And, and I, I see the same thing with listening. I mean, you, you were talking about um, the town halls and I, I had been in conversation with a, a mayor that was dealing with some pretty significant issues. And, and his campaign person was just like, yeah, no, he has pretty much no choice but to just sit and take it. He needs to listen to his people and just take it. And that's a really interesting construct, right, that we often use when, when, we, when we talk about conversation. We'll often use kind of almost punitive terms, like, oh, I have to go talk to my employees, or, um, I, or I'm going to give you a really good listening to, you know, things like that. Yeah, where, where I've, I've had a lot of stern talking to's in my day. <laughs> Exactly. And, and so what we do is we, we basically, we, we remove the notion that talking and having conversation and, 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 and listening 
should be joyful, you know, and, and, and should be uplifting. And, and that's, a, that's a real loss because once we do that, that's, that's one of the things that erodes our ability to have conversations. Um, so so I, I really think the words do matter. And as you know, like in the book, I talk a lot about right down to the idea of like naming the things you really care about. I mean, giving them, giving them names, like either as a family, like it's like you wouldn't have a kid and not give it a name, you know, and a name, well, I guess you would, but it's like, but um, some, some, I'm, I'm sure some have, but a name well, is, you know, if you're Charlie Chan, you just number them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> which, which is, by the way, like a pretty, a pretty good naming structure. But the, but the reality is it's like the name gives you an intention of what the child does. It's why like, you know, in Christian cultures, like we don't have any more Cain and Abel's, right? Because it's like no, no one, no one wants a Cain or an Abel situation on their hands. So you, you really you want to you want to think closely about the, what you what you call things. I, can I, can I, let me give you an exception though, because as you know, the book is a the book has a methodology, but it's really an approach. It's like it's like you do you, like get 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 your version of of, of how to think about making conversation that feels comfortable and good to you. But right. but you know, I think really really good names are powerful until you start to assume things about them. Like a great example for me is um, anti-masker, right? So it's, it's a very strong visual. It's like, it's, it's really, really, um, it's, 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 you, you can see it. I mean, you can see the mask, you can see the no mask, you know, how that plays. And yet it's a, it's a quite polarizing label um, that, that I think can get used and misused by politicians. Like politicians are very good about using words that do this. Um, like if I say the wall, I'm cloaking a whole significant conversation that's about whether or not somebody may die if they can't get out of their country. Um, and I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm just giving you an image that you think you can see. And that's, and, and, and you have to be really careful around these kinds of things. Yeah. It's not just an album by Pink Floyd anymore. <laughs> well, although that, that was a pretty hard album. I, I did love it though. <laughs> <laughs> I what I find um, interesting is at a time when we have more ways to communicate, we seem to have built into those ways ways to not communicate, and and I've got this picture in my mind of of you know a Zoom conference where you see two images side by side, they're not together. And they can be talking, but not necessarily with each other. Yeah, no, I agree. And, you know, one of the things I, I, I think you, and I, uh, what's so weird is so when, when the pandemic, like, started, um, there were a bunch of books that just got canceled. Publishers were like, yeah, we're, we're going to put that aside for a moment. And then there were ones that weren't. And my publisher was like, yeah, no, this feels like it's an important book to keep going. But you have to add a chapter on how to have conversations on zoom during a pandemic. And, um, and I did. <laughs> and, and, and by the way, she was like, and you have an afternoon to do it, you know, and then she was like, she was like, you have to add something about what's happening with George Floyd um, and protests. And, and in that case I had to do it. And it was in, it was almost like a crossword puzzle. Cause I, I had to, I couldn't change any word on the, on the thing. I could only move things around. So, um, what was interesting is, uh, is that I've been doing it, you know, since March one. We've been, we've been locked down on our farm since March one, which is not a bad place to be. I mean, we have a, we have a, a great community, and it's hardly, hardly very few cases. But but um, 
I wrote for my team and for the Rockefeller Foundation and for others, like a kind of set of principles for how to have the hard conversations that we were having. And um, and I, I was saying one of the things I talk about is matching your medium to the conversation you need to have. So you and I are having conversation by phone. And I'm, I'm curious, actually, why, why it is that you choose to have the conversations like this by phone? I mean, what, what, what's your kind of plan or strategy behind that? I'm curious. Audio quality. Audio quality. That's interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, it, as, it, as it turns out, though, a lot of confessional, I mean, like confessional conversations happen by phone, right? Because it's like you, you can't see the person. Well, it's the medium. Uh-huh. For most of us, it's, it's been around since before we were born. And for many of us, it's how we fell in love with our spouses or how we, you know, it's like, and it's, it's a very intimate, powerful medium. And, and it's, and, and it actually has, it, it resonates all the way back through history where people like would be in conversation, but not, but not facing each other or in conf- confession booths or in, you know, all kinds of different con- constructs that allowed you to kind of like get stuff out in ways that you wouldn't otherwise. So this ends up being like, if, if it was audio quality is a great reason, but if, if your plan was just like, somebody's going to get much more intimate and be much more open and revealing, this is a great medium to be choosing. And we can do that. Right. Like, and, and, you know, I, I could do Skype and, and there would be the added benefit of being able to see the person that I was talking to, even though the radio show is is audio only, but I'm just not happy with the the quality. Yeah, yeah. Well, and it's I, I think one of the great things that we love about about reading. And again, I'm not. I just want to be clear. I'm not anti television. Like it's like like it's. I like I like some good TV, and and I, and I, I watch television. But it's like um um uh, not all the time. But it's like. But what's what's interesting is that um. I, uh, uh, and I and I don't watch television news, um, but I uh, I do believe that um, uh, the uh, well, I mean, yes, the article, but also like reading and listening to things still allow the imagination to kind of come in in a different way, right? Like it's like you can still you, you have no idea what I look like. I, I mean, well, I do because I've looked on on your website. It's like, but but there's a lot of you know I, I you know you could be out walking in the snow like I was just doing it, and we wouldn't know it. So. It's, um, you know, conversation, I, I've, I've been saying for a long time that conversation is a lost art. And, and it really isn't. It's just we don't allow ourselves to do it. And I think of, of all the time wasted over this uh, past year um, because of, you know, partially, be- well, largely because of the pandemic and, uh, you know, the, the shelter at home protocols and so on. Um, I, I've, when you mentioned television, I thought, oh, don't pick on television, because I think during the last year, I have rewatched everything I've ever seen in my life oh, on yeah. television. Oh, I mean, it's like, it's like, I have to say, like, it's like, I mean, I, I, I love television, you know, it's like, and it's like, and, and also, by the way, I love all kinds of television. <laughs> it's like, you know, it's like, it's like, like, you can, you, you can find me watching, like, really smart stuff and really you know, pretty trashy stuff because it's like it's just it's just it's just the way I go. But I also feel that way about books, and I also feel that way about. But I, I also do feel like, and and you you do this in your life by nature of your work. It's like it's like the to take the time away and have a conversation, or or to watch something and talk about it with somebody is is a, is a really great way to connect. Um, and by the way, that also allows us to talk about things that are not um, that that are not necessarily. Po- 
politics or or grief or anger or you know you know it's I'll give you an example from the book. Um, one of my favorite—I hate saying that from the book. I'll just give you an example from what I experienced. So, so I, my my assistant was like, um, "Oh, you need to interview my mother-in-law," and I was like, "Okay." <laughs> <laughs> like, and, and you know, it's like when you're writing a book, you get those kinds of things, and you're like, "I'm going to do this out of politeness." And so, like, I like I get on a call with her, and and it turns out my conversation with her was like the turning point for the entire book like and the reason wow. why is donnery who's a, a religious woman in salt lake city um and by the way don't assume what that means given given that i haven't filled in all the details there but so it turns out that she really was interested in she wanted to, her and her friends wanted to read 50 shades of gray but they were afraid. And so they basically created a little book group to do it. And their conversation started by being like, oh, wait, does that really happen? Do people really do that? Um, to kind of realizing that they had, they'd actually changed through reading it and discussing it, that they had actually kind of gotten a little bit more open. And so when I got to them and was interviewing Donnery, she had just watched Deep Throat, which is a movie I haven't even seen. That's, well, I haven't read Fifty Shades Grave either, but it's like um, from like the 70s, that's like a porn film. And, and over the years, as they've been watching and, and doing these things and having conversations, they've gradually become not just more sex positive, but also sex activists, LGBTQ activists. They've changed. They literally changed by having the conversations around the things they were reading. So, you know, it's like even the trashiest thing can start to kind of like push us forward into into the beginnings of change, I think. So. But but the key there is trashy. It might be fantastic. I don't know. I haven't read it. So, <laughs> but but the key there is the willingness to consider and and uh, listen to or talk about things that you wouldn't have otherwise. And we have developed so much technology that allows us to divide into groups where we only communicate with people who already know what we know and already think what we think. And so the, the thing that's remarkable about that story, Fred, is that this group of people took on something that wasn't already in their sphere. And I would suggest that it's listening to people who don't know what you know, don't think what you think, where we learn stuff. Did I lose you, Fred? I think I did. I think I've lost Fred. Well, I'll tell you what I'm going to do. I'm going to try to reconnect with Fred. I suspect that's what, what's happening is what happened a little earlier in the show where he can hear me and I can't hear him. And I'm not sure why that happens or has happened, but I'm going to call him back. In the meantime, we're going to hear a little bit of Christmas music and as I always say, our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. I really can't stay. Baby, it's cold outside. I've got to. 
to go away Baby, it's cold outside The evening has been Hoping that you drive So in. very nice I'll hold your hands there just like My I. mother will start to worry Beautiful, what's your cry? And father will be pacing the floor Listen to the fireplace So really I'd better scurry but maybe just a half a drink more I simply must go Baby, it's cold outside The answer is no Baby, it's cold outside This welcome has been Lucky that you dropped So nice and warm Look out the window at the My sister won't be suspicious my brother will be there at the door My maiden aunt's mind is vicious But maybe just a half a drink more I really can't stay Ah, but it's cold outside The neighbors might think Say what's in this drink? Can't be had out there. I wish I knew how. As I like starlight to now. break the spell. I'll take your hand. Your hair looks I well. ought to say no, 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 sir. At least I'm gonna say that I tried. My pride. I really can't stay. Baby, don't hold out. Ah, but it's cold. To go home, baby, you freeze out there. Say, lend me your coat. It's up to your knees out there. You've really been grand. Your eyes are like starlight but now. don't you see? How can you do this thing to There's me? There's bound to be talk tomorrow. Making my life long so At least there will be plenty implied. You've got pneumonia and I really can't stay. Well, our Christmas music is better than everybody else's. That was uh, Brie Barron and Rachel Wright with Baby It's Cold Outside. And uh, we have a uh, break coming up here. I'm going to try to reconnect with uh, Fred Dust if I can, but I'm having a little trouble with the uh, with the live stream here. So um, it will, uh, of course, not affect our replays of the show all day online or... Um, the replay on 92.1 FM this evening at 9 p.m. Um, it's just, uh, you know, something that happens with uh, live radio, folks. Anyway, uh, we are going to take a short break. If you're listening to us on WFOV 92.1 FM, our voices radio in Flint. They are a broadcast service of the Flint Odyssey House Spectacle Productions 
and my uh, good friend Paul Herring. And uh, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in edgewise. And um, if you're streaming us at TomSumnerProgram.com, we have some messages as well. My apologies to Fred Dust, but he is the author of uh, a very interesting book called Making Conversation. And uh, we'll we'll wrap it up with uh, Fred for now, but uh, we'll be back with the final segment hey, right after this. <laughs> this is the Unknown Comic, and guess what? You're listening to the Tom Sumner Show right now. And now, and now too, and even now. They say singing can help you remember things, so here's some tips for parents out there during these tough times. Number one. Make sure your kids wash their hands for 20 seconds after they've coughed or sneezed or been outside. Virtual playdates, social and physical distancing can help save lives. Tell them they're safe and show your love and pride. Yes, we'll get through this together. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. If you have a knack for sales and fundraising and would like to become a valued member of a fun team, you could be a good fit for the Tom Sumner program. Help us develop the underwriters needed to continue to grow our brand. Write to us at TomSumnerProgram.com. The Tom Sumner program. Old-fashioned radio for a new generation. East Village Magazine is the monthly neighborhood magazine read all over Flint. With support from grants, donations, and advertisers, East Village Magazine's talented local writers give you an in-depth look at local news, issues, and people that make Flint, Flint. 
Copies of East Village Magazine are available at many of your favorite shops and restaurants around Flint or online at eastvillagemagazine.org. East Village Magazine, community-focused and community-supported. Technical assistance for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology, engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology. How do you do, ladies and gentlemen? This is Bob Hope back once again to tell you it's better to have Pepsodent flowing over your teeth now than to have water running under your bridge later. Tom Sumner Program.com The Tom Sumner Program.com I get the uneasy feeling Rod Serling is behind one of those doors. Rod Serling. Rod Serling. What's this, the Twilight Zone? Where is everybody? I would have been headed for the Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. If I go any lower, I'll be in the Twilight Zone. All right. Oh, but Jethro's right at home in the Twilight Zone. I'm in the Twilight Zone. Now, having made this little jaunt into the Twilight Zone, I got a feeling something strange is about to happen in the Twilight Zone. Hi, this is Ann Serling, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. Welcome to this presentation of the Comedy Spotlight on the Tom Sumner Program. Uh, I'd like to have an argument, please. Certainly, sir. Have you been here before? No, I haven't. This is my first time. I see. Well, do you want to have just one argument, or were you thinking of taking a course? Well, what is the cost? Well, it's one pound for a five-minute argument, but only eight pounds for a course of ten. Well, I think it would be best if I perhaps started off with just the one and then see how it goes. Fine. Well, I'll see who's free at the moment. Uh, Mr. DeBakey's free, but he's a little bit conciliatory. Ah, yes. Try Mr. Barnard, room 12. Thank you. What do you want? Well, I was told outside that... Don't give me that, you snotty-faced heap of parrot droppings. What? Shut your festering gob, your tit. Your type really makes me puke, you vacuous, coffee-nosed, malodorous pervert. Look, I came here for an argument. I'm not going to just... Oh, it. oh, I'm sorry, but this is abuse. Oh, I see. Well, that explains... Oh, yes. You want room 12A just along the corridor. Oh, thank you very much. Sorry. Not at all. Thank you. Stupid kid. Come in. Uh, is this the right room for an argument? I've told you once. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. When? Just now. No, you didn't. I did. Didn't. Did. Didn't. I'm telling you, I did. You did not. Oh, I'm sorry, just one moment. Um, is this a five-minute argument or the full half hour? Oh, just the uh, five minutes. Ah, thank you. Anyway, I did. You most certainly did not. Look, let's get this thing clear. I quite definitely told you. No, you did not. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. You didn't. Did. Well, look, this isn't an argument. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. It's just contradiction. No, it isn't. It is. It is not. Look, you just contradicted me. I did not. Oh, you did. No, no, no. You did just then. Nonsense. Oh, this is futile. No, it isn't. I came here for a good argument. No, you didn't. No, you came here for an argument. Well, an argument isn't just contradiction. Can be? No, it can't. An argument is a connected series of statements intended to establish a proposition. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. It's not just contradiction. Look... If I argue with you, I must take up a contrary position. Yes, but that's not just saying, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. No, it isn't. Argument is an intellectual process. Contradiction is just the automatic gainsaying of any statement the other person makes. No, it isn't. Yes, it is. Not at all. No, no. Good morning. What? That's it. Good morning. I was just getting interested. Sorry, five minutes is up. That was never five minutes. I'm afraid it was. It wasn't. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue anymore. What? If you want me to go on arguing, I'll have to pay for another five minutes. Yes, but that was never five minutes just now. Oh, come on. Mm-hmm. 
Look, this is ridiculous. I'm sorry, but I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. Oh, all right. Thank you. Well? Well, what? That wasn't really five minutes just now. I told you I'm not allowed to argue unless you've paid. I just paid. No, you didn't. I did. No, you didn't. Uh, look, I don't want to argue about it. Well, that. you didn't pay. Ah, uh-huh. if I didn't pay, why are you arguing? I've got you. No, you haven't. Yes, I have. If you're arguing, I must have paid. Not necessarily. I could be arguing in my spare time. Oh, I've had enough of this. No, you haven't. Oh, shut up. I want to complain. You want to complain? Look at these shoes. I've only had them three weeks and the heels are worn right through. No, I want to complain If about... you complain, nothing happens. You might as well not bother. Oh. And my back hurts and we're in a fine day and I'm sick and tired of this office. Hello, I want to... Oh! No, no, no. Hold your head like this. Then you Wow! Try it again. Oh! Better, better, but wow, wow, put your hand there. No. Now. Wow! Good, good, that's it. Stop hitting me. What? Stop hitting me. Stop hitting you? Yes. Why'd you come here then? I wanted to complain. Oh, no, that's next door. It's being hit on the head lessons in here. What a stupid concept. Dennis Moore, Dennis Moore, is not in this bit. This was another comedy spotlight on the Tom Sumner program.
our Christmas music is better than everybody else's because it's local. That's a brand new uh, addition this year to our uh, Christmas library of local artists, Kevin B. Klein, with Christmas time in our universe. I start, I played a little bit of it earlier. Um, my apologies, we've had a couple of glitches in the show today, but it's been a great show. And my apologies, especially to uh, author Fred Dust. Um, we were having uh, a wonderful conversation about his book, Making Conversation. And our conversation, unfortunately, got cut short. I had a little internet uh, hiccup. And uh, it's kind of ironic that our conversation about making conversation got interrupted. But uh, it was a wonderful conversation. And uh, it is an interesting book called Making Conversation. And um, I want to say thanks to uh, Fred for participating in the show this last hour. I also want to make sure and uh, acknowledge what, a, what an interesting... Uh, turn of events that happens in uh, Joe Torrance's uh, The Poison of Money, where he talks about uh, basically a personal experience and, and turns it into a novel about discovering that uh, his great uncle was uh, Al Capone's boss, Chicago mob mastermind Johnny Torrio. And um, anyway, the book, uh, as I mentioned, is called the Poison of Money. I also want to say thanks to Jim Barbado, the author of The Magic Christmas Ornament. And uh, what an interesting conversation we had about storytelling and uh, his uh, collaboration on this book with his daughter and uh, their family history of uh, storytellers and storytelling. Uh, interesting conversation to be sure. Anyway, my apologies for any hiccups during the uh, live broadcast of the show this morning. and uh, But everything should be corrected and should be fine for the most part for uh, all of the replays online all day and night and our replay at 9 p.m. on WFOV 92.1 FM. That's Smoking George Winters tickling the ivories letting me know it's time to head on down the hall to the living room. But I will be back tomorrow at 9 a.m. for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. In the meantime, good night, everybody. The Tom Sumner Program is a live variety show. We want to acknowledge all of our guests who play such an important role in the show and our cavalcade of cohorts from coast to coast for their regular contributions. Most of the musical accompaniment was provided by people in or from the Flint area. Many of the pre-recorded portions of the Tom Sumner program are made possible by Flint's own Steve McComb and Pencil Sketch Recording in Nashville, Tennessee. If you have comments, questions or suggestions about the show, find us on Facebook. This is Prue Clearwater. Join us next time for another edition of the Tom Sumner Program. And thanks for listening.